Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Christina Abella Ray teaches pre-kindergarten to third grade general music at the Fessenden School in West Newton, Massachusetts. She earned her Bachelor of Music in Choral and Vocal Music from the Bob Cole Conservatory of Music at Cal State University, Long Beach, and a Master of Arts in Music Education from the Steinhardt School of Culture, Education, and Human Development at New York University. In addition to music education, Christina leads faculty professional development meetings on topics of diversity, equity, and inclusion through the National SEED Project and has been a presenter at the People of Color Conference for the National Association of Independent Schools. So this week, it is my great pleasure to welcome Christina Abella Ray to the podcast. Christina, you were one of our presenters at our virtual conference this past summer, and the reviews uh, that we got for your session were absolute raves. And I think one of your biggest fans is a uh, former classmate of yours, Juliana Mateko. Uh, they are our director of support and training, and they highly recommended you. So I am thrilled. You, you did a great job over the summer, and it's and it's really great to get a chance to speak with you one-on-one as a music educator. So thanks for joining us. Thanks so much, Jim. It's really fantastic to be here, and um, it, this is my first podcast ever. Oh, very cool. <laughs> so um, this is really exciting for me. So what I'd love you to do before we get into the specifics of your teaching situation and what you do on a day-to-day basis, especially, you know, what you do with technology is um, why don't you tell us about your career path? Cause I, I find in my opinion, I've done, this is your, I think episode number 55 or so that I've done. I always find it fascinating that a lot of music educators have similar paths um, you know, between, you know, hey, I was, I did this in middle school, high school, and then I decided mm-hmm. to do this. So why don't you trace your career path um, from when you first knew, hey, I might want to be a music teacher up until today? Yeah, I mean, um, I think that for a lot of good teachers, right, a lot of, a lot of teachers, you find joy in being with students and learners, probably knew from an early on stage. Um, You know, I was teaching school in my garage when I was a kid. So I (laughs) always knew I wanted to teach. Um, And, you know, I I caught the band bug. I was a band kid in elementary school and middle school, Um, you know, always practicing way too much over math or science homework. And then um, what's your what's your main instrument? uh, Flute. Very cool. (laughs) Sorry yeah. to interrupt. No, no, it's great. And um, I, when I got into high school, I then got into the musical theater group and uh-huh. um, into choir. And so once you're a high school kid standing in a echoey hallway practicing a 10 piece or a 10 part choral piece, um, that's a whole new bug that you catch. And so yeah 
choral music definitely grabbed me then. Um, then I you know, went to Cal State Long Beach in California for undergrad. Oh, beautiful place. Absolutely gorgeous campus. Yeah. <laughs> One mile from the beach was yes. my apartment. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and so I, you know, I studied with fantastic teachers. Um, Jonathan Talberg is the director of choral programs there. Um, and I owe a lot of my kind of musicianship and professionalism to him in that program. Um, and then like any other starving college student who has a choir education, I was a section leader, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, at, you know, in a, at a church in a local area. Um, and then from there, I was doing, you know, little recording gigs or working on some side projects. We performed a, a Spanish art piece for a professor who was not even in the music department. And then I got into, um, you know, teaching, but at the time it was part-time because I was working for Disney. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Doing what? Um, so I worked for Disney Performing Arts, which everyone thinks is like Jasmine or Snow White or right. whatnot. <laughs> um, and it's the biggest compliment to be asked if I was a princess. But I, uh, but I actually worked um, when you have middle school or high school bands or choirs or dance ah, groups that's right. to visit the park. Um, so, so that was me. I was the one who came up onto the coach bus and greeted all the kids. We got them prepped for their shows or if they were doing a parade. Um, and it's one of the best jobs I've ever had. Just to interrupt you, Christina, I did Disney World in Florida in my sophomore year of high school and Disneyland, I believe I have that right, in California. And uh, you are the, the folks that do help you around because we did the electric light parade in both places when there was, still was an electric light parade. I'm hoping there still is. And uh, yeah, you guys are those essential, like, here's where you go. Here's what you have to do. That, that, and I'm sure that many music teachers listening who have brought their groups to Disney parks are very thankful for your, <laughs> your service, yeah. as they say. No, I mean, well, it's the best thing, especially if you're a blossoming music teacher, right? You see all of, it takes a lot of hard work to get your groups into those Disney programs. Absolutely. Um, and there's a huge vetting process that Disney does for your group to be invited. And so to be able to be a new music teacher and to see these veteran teachers in action and how their programs are run to, you know, have an ear on their, their rehearsals right before they go on stage um, was really invaluable. And it was a really exciting learning experience for me and definitely has a, an effect on how I teach now. That's, that's a very cool perspective. Um, yeah, neat. All right. So <laughs> then, uh, then press fast forward, you're, uh, you're, you're doing the part-time gig and, and doing Disney. What, what happened next? So um, I worked for, you know, local city performing arts theater, um, you know, I was helping them with their productions and, and their fundraising. And then I decided I, it's probably time for grad school and a teaching certification. Right. So I left California and I pursued, um, you know, the, the New York dream. Yep. And I went to NYU Steinhardt for their music ed program. Um, was there for a couple of years, did my thesis there, and that's where I started my interest in music technology because 
I, there was a great class. Um, and as you mentioned before, my classmate Jay, we were both really excited by this class. Um, we, you know, you get to kind of be in this thought bubble of what would you build if you were a music teacher and what kind of technology would you look for and be helpful in the classroom? Um, and so that kind of solidified my relationship or kept my proverbial toe in the music tech world. And then I started um, a job at an all boys boarding school in Massachusetts. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> So after you graduate, now you, did you have Alex Ruthman and Ethan Hine at the end? I did. Yeah, Shout very out to cool. Alex and Ethan. <laughs> Absolutely. I, Ethan was a former guest on this podcast last season, so it's very cool. Uh, so yeah, then now you're in Massachusetts, what, what I would assume outside of Boston? Yeah, just outside of Boston. And is that where you still are today? Yep, still still here. Um, so I, I wear a lot of hats within the community, and um, in addition to teaching music, I'm also a dorm parent living on campus. Oh my, that's a first. I have not, that's a, so what is the age range for those kids? Uh, for, so for the day program, um, we start as early as pre-K in our more formalized teaching class um, structure. You know, we do have a daycare on campus, but pre-K is kind of when we start going to classes. All right. And then uh, they graduate at ninth grade. Cool. That's very cool. I did not know. So yeah, all boys outside of Boston. That's uh, that's an interesting gig because what is your actual teaching position there? What do you what do you uh, what's your daily responsibilities? What do they look like? So um, I mean, right from the morning, um, I'm a dorm parent. So that's the the hat that I'm wearing. The dorms uh, go from fifth grade to ninth grade. So we're getting them dressed, ready for school, head them off to breakfast. And then I'm a lower school music teacher. And so that is pre-K to third grade is under my umbrella. And we do general music. We do, um, you know, choral performances. And we also do musical theater shows um, within the lower school. Really? That's yeah. very cool. The little ones. So are those yeah. shows that have been specially written for that age group or is it kind of like stuff out of the JW Pepper catalog, or are you adapting things? So um, my first year I adapted because I was very ambitious. And we did, since we were learning recorder in third grade, we um, did an adaption of the magic flute. Awesome. <laughs> um, which which was great and uh, so much fun and a lot of work. A, so A lot of work. Yeah, so um, we, we do elementary aged performances um and you know we pare down the choreography and staging for the younger ones but um but it's it's pretty impressive and you know something that they always think of in terms of boys education is that storytelling feature and um the energy and being dynamic and I think that musical theater actually plays really well to those needs and stage of life. It's really fun. Now, do you have like a partner private school that's an all-female school? Because I'm just wondering about the casting. Because now, now my head's swirling because I did not know <laughs> that you were in an all-boys school. It's so cool. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, we do have nearby, uh, um, you know, there, there are boys schools, co-ed schools, girls schools um, in the area. And so there'll be partnerships sometimes, but most of the time, 
um, you know, the, the performances are how to be a pirate and a pirate yeah. can be anybody, right? right. Yeah, absolutely. Boy, girl, or yeah. it's, you know, we're going to summer camp or how to eat like a child or, um, and so those things. So we try to be inclusive in the thought of who's in the cast. So that yep. way it fits, you know, the students we have in the room. That's really wonderful. Very cool. Now, how many music teachers are there in the school if you're just doing, so your sole responsibility is pre-K to three for as far as the music aspect of your gig? Yeah, yeah, pre-K to three. So um, we have a lot of music teachers. We have um, myself in pre-K to three. Uh, we have a music and movement class for kindergarten. So that's a teacher. Um, who also teaches percussion, um, West African percussion and auxiliary percussion. Then we have a band teacher and we have an orchestra teacher and we have a, um, a choral teacher <laughs> oh and we have a staff of, um, of private lessons teachers who come during the school day. Wow. <laughs> you know, the only... It's funny how private schools are very different than public, as I'm sure you'll know, and there's many differences that we won't go into now, but the only school that I can think of that's similar was a school that I went, uh, visited in Sydney, Australia, where there were, I think there were 24 music teachers in a, in a, in a basically a primary school. And I just remember thinking, what is going on here? <laughs> um, when, you know, in, in a lot of public schools, you're, you're, you're a one person, you know, band, if you will, uh, doing everything. So that's, that's, that's a very cool gig. Uh, what's the name of the school? The Fessenden School. All right. Fessenden. Very cool. All right. So let's, um, let's first talk about um, what a lot of music teachers have been thinking about, obviously, for the last 18 months. And that, you know, I'm, I'm particularly interested in the fact that, you know, you have a dorm or, or an, you know, a, a, a on-campus, you know, aspect of the school. What on earth happened to your Pheasanton school when, when COVID hit? And how did it affect your program? Yeah, we saw all stages of um, what it was like to kind of live and adapt in, um, you know, this new world that we have. Because when, you know, 2020, oh my gosh, <laughs> Was yeah. it really 2020? What year are we in? I know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, uh, March 2020, we um, were about to go for spring break. And I remember the day before uh, they, they canceled school for the day and had everyone go home for spring break. And over the break, they took the opportunity to tell us that we were going to be learning from home. So we were virtual um, for the rest of the school year, all programs. Um, and at that time, I had a first grade and kindergarten uh, musical that was supposed to go up on stage. Um, oh, wow. And so we um, that was when I had to become a video editor. Yep. And so when you, you know, you do a lot of looping, you, um, you know, you try to get the little faces on the screen. Um, but, you know, it was you wanted to give a platform and a stage to your students who've been working so hard on this performance and, um, you know, and try to share that with the community. So uh, that, so in that way, that was, that was really fun and exciting because not all families could make it to the performances. So right. it was a kind of cool community event for us all to watch it together, even if it's through Zoom. Um, and then, uh, you know, during quarantine, I, you get really savvy at all of the music tools because you, um, 
they're so invaluable for engagement, yep. right? Um, there's something different if you can incorporate, you know, an activity or a video or an interactive slide for your students who are at home rather than them hearing you lecture over Zoom. Um, and I think that for the little ones, that was doubly important. So um, that was that was something to where you you find yourself trying to be as creative as possible. Right. Then in the, the fall, we um, went in person. Um, you know, it's it's not the case for many schools or you know across our nation, but we're very lucky in the sense that we had really thorough COVID testing every single week. Yep. Um, and we. Uh, every, you know, and a lot of schools don't have this. And we were lucky in the sense that there was space to spread out when it came to those six feet distance. Um, you know, we're in gyms and we're in squash courts and we're in wrestling rooms, but we, we did have um, the privilege of being spaced out. And so that's what a lot of our classrooms look like. Um, and you need a technology to engage those students when they're spaced out. Yep. Um, because they're not going to hear you in the same way, or they're not going to be able to collaborate with their classmates because they can't all sit at the same table. Um, and we were hybrid in a sense too, because we have boarding students and they're international. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So we had um, this really cool piece of tech called the owl and it sits in your classroom. And just like the real animal owl, it spins around and follows those, um, any kind of audio that it picks up and it has a 360 camera. So you can watch, um, and you just, uh, input it through zoom as your camera and microphone, and it can, um, you know, you can essentially be someone who's kind of revolving their head if, as if you were sitting in the classroom. Wow. So, yeah, so that was, um, a huge piece of tech that the school used, um, for hybrid learning so that we can really try to um, keep all of our students who are international or those who um, felt safer being at home. Uh, we mm -hmm. really wanted to um, be respectful of that. And we had, uh, or anyone who needed to social, socially distance for you know, the prescribed two weeks, um, we had them all go hybrid. I think there are a lot of people writing that name down, OWL. It sounds so <laughs> incredibly cool because <clears throat> I think... What, what fascinated me the most about um, your session or what the, the whole concept is, and I think that uh, those people listening who are middle school, high school, you know, performance ensemble directors, it is a special type of human being that can teach pre-K to three um, music, general music, and then do performance, you know, musicals with them and, and concerts. Um, I've had uh, Amy Burns on the podcast, and she's one of those people, and you sound like you're uh, a very similar type of uh, human being. I can't imagine what it would be like with kids that age to be in a completely online, you know, setting, um, because to me, and, and I taught pre-K to eight general vocal instrumental in uh, New Jersey um, at the beginning of my career, and pre-K kids are just literally the best. Um, they love you. They, they just, they run up to you and hug you. They can't wait for music time. But then to put that in a little, you know, a little screen with a box is, you know, pretty brutal. So I'm sure that 
uh, a lot of people are saying how lucky you are that you were able to be in person with those kids because it I'm sure for them it was an incredible release uh, during the school day, especially with all this hybrid, you know, and and an online world uh, that they could actually sit in a, in a classroom, albeit socially distanced, probably with masks on, um, making music in person. I'm, I know there are a lot of music teachers out there going, I wish I was you right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's it's interesting because it it always seems like the grass is greener, but then it, it brings its own um, you know, limitations, right? You're wearing a mask. There's, and as a vocal teacher, there's a lot of vocal fatigue because the mechanics of your jaw and voice, um, don't really expand in the way that you need when you're wearing a mask. And even then it wasn't safe, um, to sing indoors because your voice propels saliva and whatnot, um, at a faster, farther rate. And so, you had to be really creative in terms of humming or going outside or, um, and all of these things where, you know, to be on zoom, you could be maskless and you yep. didn't have to feel that mask fatigue, or you can, um, you can do a singing exercise when you're at home, which, um, you know, with, with a call and response or something like that. And so it's, it's different, um, you know, and at the end of the day, I don't know which one I prefer over the other, uh, but they are just different. Wow. So what is your school year this year like? Is it, is it, you know, what, what is your, what does it look like now? So we're in person again. Um, and a lot of our students who were remote or, um, you know, just because they had to go hybrid because of any close contact to COVID. Thankfully, um, you know, we are seeing lesser numbers um, and we're seeing a lot more students in person at school. So right. a lot of the hybrid model has, you know, 90% um, gone away with the exception of one or two outliers. And um, we, you know, they've over the course of the pandemic, there's been a plethora of inventions and designs when it comes to instrument masks. Yep, um, absolutely. So, <laughs> so our band programs are kind of dabbling in that. Luckily, the weather is still nice. So a lot of things are happening outside as much as possible. Um, and I think in general, teachers just got a lot more savvy when it comes to incorporating tools and tech to um, to really be thinking differently in terms of when you can't sing or can't play in person, what do you do? Yeah. Now, so yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, what uh, types of activities? I mean, you know, obviously now you're, you know, let's let's go back to the spring of 2020. And you're right, Christina, I can't recall like when you're like, when you say this fall, I'm like, is that 20? What year is that? So the <laughs> spring of 2020, um, what type of activities were you doing with your kids online? And, and what type of things are you doing now, um, you know, in a hybrid situation? How is it, how is it impacting like your, your day-to-day -day lessons? Um, so thinking all the way back to spring 2020, the, a, a lot of it was bringing the out outside world in right is yep. sharing videos sharing performances having a lot of 
using the breakout rooms for turn and talk, um, having a lot of, of sharing out in terms of what do you see? What do you notice? What do you wonder about? So uh, it almost seems like music appreciation in a way. Right. A, a lot of body percussion and percussion. <laughs> in general. Oh. Um, but, uh, and I, when it comes to singing games, I would, I would have a lot of games, singing games that have either um, inner audiation, right? You're, you're mm -hmm. building your inner ear and you think of the tune. And if you're, you're feeling the steady beat, you know when the end of the tune is and I'll have like cards or little puppets up in my hands and they have to find out where the tune ends on which puppet. Um, and so that was something that looked like when you're in the Zoom class. But from the early I would should say like early fall 2020 is when I really got into building a virtual classroom. Right. Um, so that was building a landing platform that all of my students can go to because I knew that they wouldn't see my music room. And I think that for kids, it's so incredibly important to create this sense of routine um, and this sense of of um, of ownership of a space. And even if it isn't a space that we're physically going into, something to kind of unify us as a music class. Right. So that's when, you know, Google Slides was when uh, I geeked out over Google Slides yep. and built those, um, built those classrooms and brought all of, you know, the tools and the videos and everything into something that could be user-friendly for little guys. And um, it was, it's, I know it was a lot and I feel yep. like I'm learning every day, but um, it's to, to be as interactive as possible to really catch the imagination and engagement of my students. That was always my driving force. Awesome. So I'm going to shift the conversation a little bit back to when um, you were at NYU and thinking about all this technology and, and what could you, you know, build as a music teacher, I would love to know kind of on the philosophical side of things or, or, or whatever your viewpoint is, what do you think the role of music technology is within an elementary school music program or an elementary school choral program? I mean, obviously COVID forced everyone in a way to do it. Um, but forget that for a minute and just say like, where does this belong and where doesn't it belong? Yeah. You know, and, um, and thinking back when I was doing grad school and what tech can do. And even then I'm thinking, I'm thinking all the way back to undergrad, they had us take a music tech course. Um, and a lot of it in the beginnings of my own education was teacher tools, yep. right? Um, there are so many tools that will help a teacher out in terms of assessment, right? We've got practice first where you can see, you can listen and hear all of your students um, and have it in a great grade book, uh, which makes it way easier than the old fashioned days where you had to pull them aside into maybe a, a little corner or practice room and you know eat up a whole class to do that assessment. Um, so, that, so things like that are really cool and have been around for a while and just get better each and every day. But as I was at NYU and you're in the think tank and you're 
um, thinking about what are the possibilities of making music. You know, something that caught my eye at first was Soundtrap in terms of collaboration and globalization of that collaboration. Um, NYU has a really cool uh, music uh, ensemble. Um, And I went to one of their performances. And as you do in grad school, you go to your friend's you know, avant-garde performances, <laughs> right? Um, and it was this new music. Um, I think there was a percussion piece where they whipped a pinata. And, um, but at the same time, they were improvising with a music school in, in forgive me, NYU friends, if I get this wrong, I think it's somewhere in the Scandinavian world. <laughs> um, and they, so they, at the same time they were playing and they were able to pipe in, you know, their audio. Um, and it was, you know, and it, if you think on the surface, like, oh, music wise, it's like almost the same. Um, but in terms of the connection and the human element of music, it was incredibly powerful. Mm -hmm. And so to see tools like Soundtrap, um, really bring in that collaborative aspect that you, there's a whole community in which you can make music with. Um, that's something that is extremely exciting because as we're teaching our students about how to be in a global world, right? How to think um, of your community and beyond your community in terms of those who are living different lives than you. Um, I think that's, it's so incredibly exciting um, and a powerful purpose to be able to seek music of others and to seek how you can make music with others. Um, and it's, and, you know, it's applicable to anyone, whether you're in pre-K, you know, to your 99. Um, I think it's, that's something that is always going to be true about music is that it's human connection. Yep. And the more that we see tech that can help us out with that, and we've seen it kind of guide us through the storm of COVID, uh, those are the really, really exciting things. Um, and I really hope that we can just see more going forward. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, <clears throat> a lot of elementary music teachers, and I'm sure you'll, well, I, I think you'll agree, um, use technology more for you know, teaching presentation tool. For example, when I was, I've been teaching graduate classes at Teachers College for a long time. And whenever anybody would ask me, well, what do I do with this stuff in elementary school? I used to make like interactive um, slides for teaching song lyrics. And I remember Raffi's Five Green and Speckled Frogs, although (laughs) I I don't think Raffi wrote it, but, um, and putting making um, animations of little frogs jumping in and there were five and then there were four and then there were three, like the song goes. Uh, you know, so a lot of music teachers, especially at the elementary level are, are using technology primarily as a presentation tool, as a way to prepare, as a way, you know, maybe as a, as a uh, repository of songs uh, that they can use with their students. What are from, is that, is that similar in your case? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's level one, right? right. And like I said before, the tech for for teacher tools yep. um, has been around for a really long time. But what I really found in finding all of these tools during the pandemic is is I find level two is 
how do you create independence with mm. your younger students? So yes, I had Google Slides that they clicked around, um, but in terms of making independent choices through um, you know any kind of music making, it was you found I found a like an online xylophone yep. and um, and I found out through Zoom that I can give remote control access to a student through Zoom. So when we were hybrid and I had most of my students in the classroom and one student at home, um, and they I knew that they were on an iPad, they they could touch the, you know, essentially quote unquote my screen, because I gave them remote control access and play the xylophone, the, you know, the online xylophone while we were playing actual xylophones in the classroom. So in terms of building that bridge and connecting students, um, you know, they're able to play instruments like that, or they, you know, through Seesaw, we had, um, you can upload different activities. And whenever I would have, you know, a song like teddy bear, teddy bear, um, I would teach that song to my little ones. And then there's a there's a marker function, and you can put a PDF onto onto the program, and you can start tapping the screen. But you can also record the student's voice at the same time. So what I get back as a teacher is I get to see, you know, I get to hear them singing, um, which when you're trying to be socially distant and you are either outside or have masks and you can only hum. Um, was invaluable. And I can see them in real time whenever the ink mark would show up on every single teddy bear icon. Um, And so, uh, and so I can see their music making and it's, you know, you can archive all of that and you can create a portfolio for all of your students. And so, um, you know, we see a lot of these tools in terms of archiving all of their work, but to, to put a, such an emphasis over their process was awesome. And you don't really get that because music teachers were a product, right? We're the big right. show. Right. Um, uh, very, and so, very good point. Yeah. And so to it's the process was all we had. <laughs> we had no shows last year. Right. right. Um, and so, so to see this process and to see um, how they grow and you see, you see their, their um, submissions from September, and then you see their submissions in June and um, for tech to be able to track that all for you was awesome. No, and great. it was really cool. So before I get to the, um, the, the final two questions, I, I have a, a bit of a, a curveball for you. And that is describe what your elementary classroom right now looks like. I mean, and how much tech is in it? Or did the kids have their own devices? I mean, like, what is the way that the students are interacting with it and the way you are? Yeah, so um, I, where I'm really lucky because in my tenure here at this school, we had a whole um, arts build out, right? Um, the, the school committed to, to really vamping up our arts facilities. And so we really kept um, innovation and technology in mind. So in my lower school classroom, um, I have a set of ukuleles, which I teach in the second grade, and they are um, populele. So they're, they're uh, Bluetooth connected. I think they have oh. this awesome <laughs> Kickstarter. 
Um, so they, they charge up just like, you know, a, a USB charger and they light up and they, um, connect to an app on the iPad. And I have like a, a half class set of iPads and, um, you, it, when you open up the app, the fretboard of the ukulele lights up to show the fingering for what chord they're asking for. Wow. Um, yeah. Or what note they're asking for. So, um, so we play those in second grade. Um, I, I laser cutted some, these, these kind of QR code things. And it, you know, because I come from Disney, um, they're, they're kind of like legends of the hidden temple. They're They're hidden around my room. Right. Um, and they have to flip these, these wooden cards over to find their grade level. They scan it with, um, an iPad and it brings them up to, um, you know, a site that I curated that either has an activity for them or it has a performance I want them to watch. Um, so that's kind of how I do groups in the classroom. Um, and they're just really excited to get their hands on an iPad. That's such um, a great idea. And uh, we also have, you know, we have a smart board. So we're using all of the touchscreen capabilities, you know, in, in Music First Junior, when we're using um, the, you know, the games for high and low or fast and slow, uh, it's really engaging for the students to be able to come up themselves and to be able to touch the screen. Yep. Because then when you send them either on their own or on home at home, they've practiced with you, the teacher, and in front of all of their classmates on how to use the buttons and everything. Yeah. Um, and then uh, we also have a, a keyboard lab. So wow, yeah, cool. um, I, I have everyone, you know, learn, learn the keys on the keyboard and we're, um, you know, learning how to either compose or to play a piece. Um, and so we're, we're really, really lucky for elementary school. And they always ask you in college, what would you do if you had the ideal program or like, what would your space right. look like? Um, and I've been really lucky with the team of music teachers here <clears throat> that, um, that dream essentially got to come true. Yeah, no, I, but let me, let me interject and say that uh, after listening to you for the, for, for over the last 35 minutes or so, your kids are very lucky to have you and that school is very lucky to have you you know yeah. you have a dream type uh setup there but they also have a dream uh, uh you know music teacher because you th those are some incredible ideas i hope uh some elementary music teachers will will listen to this and take notes and and try to apply it uh into their own programs so christina i'd, I'd love to keep chatting with you but i'm looking at the clock and i, I have two final questions for you uh, the first one is about advice. What would what advice would you give to other elementary music teachers? We're gonna we're gonna focus on that group um, who are thinking, you know, hey, I got through this pandemic, but you know, I I, I don't ever want to look at this stuff again. You know, kind of how, how what advice would you give them for incorporating technology in a, in a meaningful way into their program? Yeah, I I the first thing I I would give in terms of advice is what it, you always see your students and you you'll always see that kind of um depreciating look on their face in terms of engagement right and you're yep. especially with so many barriers that we're facing in all varying degrees and so i i would always think what would kind of perk up your students 
right? And we're in a technological world, so there's some easy ones, right? It's an iPad, it's a game, it's, um, you know, it's uh, some, something that they've never heard before in terms of like cool new instruments or um, and something like that. And I would always start from that lens. What, yep. would, what would be something that would perk up your students' ears if you were to show this to them and kind of do that backwards thinking? But, and the second thing is that um, anyone who's in this community in terms of music tech and, and how we're going to incorporate that in the classroom, the community of educators and teachers are so energetic and they're so generous. Um, I find that there's like always 10 people yep. who are who are willing to, and not even willing, like beyond willing, they are more than excited to be able to share their learnings or something that they did. And speaking for all of the elementary music teachers out there is that usually you're the only person in your building who's teaching your content, That's right? Yep. Um, you know, and it's the same thing for me, even though there's other music teachers in the building, they all teach something else different than me. And so to be in this community and to look for, you know, those Facebook groups or um, to go to these conferences, and to, to connect with someone, um, there's no one more eager than the elementary music teacher. That's the truth. <laughs> to, That's the truth. Absolutely. To connect with people. Um, and especially when it comes to cool new tricks, you know? Yeah. Um, and like, you know, sometimes it's it's daunting, but TikTok educator talk is the, is the coolest thing. Oh, that's great. Um, I've not seen that. Yeah, I mean, if you're just swiping anyway, you know, it's gonna be, it's, I find so many cool tools. And yeah, they're not all coming from music teachers, right? But right. Um, but you'll see something in terms of Google Slides and you can think, oh, I could totally adapt this for my music class, no problem. Um, and- Yeah, I mean, that's how I learned everything. When I was, when I was in the classroom, I almost, very rarely, there were, there were some rock star teachers, some of whom are my dearest friends who I would go to their sessions, but the vast majority of ed tech stuff I learned from non-music folks out there yeah yeah that's you know, a really good that's a really good advice don't don't be afraid to look at what they're doing in the big old ed tech world if you ever go to an ISTE conference um and you're a music teacher you feel like a a, a little lamb lost in the woods but uh it's it's pretty amazing what what goes on there yeah all right so my last question for you christine you've been very generous with your time is the magic wand question. I'm looking forward to hearing this. Uh, if you could wave a magic wand, what would you want to have music first or music tech in general to do that it can't do now? And the reason why I'm excited is because you, you know, as part of that NYU program, I know that was probably the prompt uh, for many of your assignments. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was the big final assignment. Yep. Um, and I, I'm going to put a plug in for my my grad student um, music tech assignment, because what um, what I did was I wanted to create a interactive sheet music um, platform. Right. Okay. You want to be able to upload your sheet music, um, which the technology has caught up. Right? right. There's there's a couple of opportunities where you can scan in your sheet music and whatnot. Um, but now when you're thinking of a world where there's Google ID, right. Yep. Um, and there's, you know, beyond QR codes, like the, the, the AI in terms of scanning things is amazing. 
So to be able to have that scan in and then incorporate, um, you know, tools in terms of curating an assignment, you know, similar to practice first, where you can plug in, you know, a couple bars that you want your students to practice Right. is um, I want to be able to like drag and drop a certain area of, of the sheet music and plug that into an assignment. I want to be able to have a video component to where I can, um, especially for younger learners, I want, um, or non-reading learners, I want them to, I want there to be a video where I can say, hi, you know, we're going to be working on this as a choral teacher. I want to be showing, um, you know, you know, proper, proper technique. And I want to be able to model that in a little video plugin. And then there's a button to where that they can practice or that they can be assessed or whatnot, um, that they can either shoot me a recording or a video. And then that comes all back. And then it has some kind of layering component so that if we are, you know, performing virtually, I can then in the same program, layer up all of their videos and audio and, you know, put up a performance. (laughs) Now, the the funny thing is, Christina, that that was literally almost exactly the impetus that I had for building music first with all these disparate tools. But I love your idea of putting it all in one because it's kind of a a mashup of music, which is one of the new products that we just brought in, Soundtrap and Flipgrid smooshed together is what you're saying, is what I'm hearing from you. Love it. Absolutely love it. Let me let me think. We'll talk offline, Christina. That was great. <laughs> well, uh, Christina, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to talk with us. And um, you know, I, I I need to get more elementary music teachers on this podcast because you're always so much fun to speak with, and your the enthusiasm and hearing about your program is just is just I got a big smile on my face. It's thank you so much, and I hope that uh, listeners appreciate all the ideas that you've shared. Oh, thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. And again, um, I am uh, so happy to collaborate with anyone. So please feel free to reach out. Yeah, I'll put your contact info in the uh, in, in the in the podcast info area. So thanks so much, Christina. Really appreciate it. Have a great school year. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.